So eventually Santa comes on Christmas Eve. Eventually the bulb blooms into a flower. Eventually the larva turns into a butterfly. Eventually, with enough practice, the golf swing improves, maybe. Eventually, the marathon runner crosses the finish line. Eventually, in the winter in Boone, the temperature drops and the raindrops turn into snowflakes. Eventually, eventually, the Magi finally reached the baby Jesus. So I invite you to hear this familiar story that the Gospel of Matthew shares with us. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because you will come from you, one will come who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search carefully for the child. And When you found him, report to me so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went and look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, falling to their knees. They honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. This is God's word for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we've started a new year. Help us to worship you more fully, to renew our lives to your will and your way, and to prepare for new possibilities. Amen. So this is a familiar story and maybe even too familiar. So maybe this morning you will hear something that you already know, but maybe it will remind you of something that you hadn't thought about in a while. Maybe you will hear something you didn't know. But either way, this story is enormously important. It is a great way for us to start the new year. And so as I looked at the story and tried to figure out, ooh, yeah, hmm, That slide is not, like, for this week. (laughs) Sorry. I think I might have not deleted something there. Um, So this is a story that I 
was trying to figure out exactly what I want to focus on. And so there's three points that I want to lift up for us just to think about, reflect about today. The first thing is that everything, everything about this story is intentional. So take the star. God uses prophets and scripture and sacraments and his son Jesus and even sometimes dreams to reveal God's ways. But not stars, but stars. Stars are what magi study. Stars are what would get their attention that something important has indeed happened. Also, it was not by accident that the Magi stopped off in Jerusalem to get directions for that last six miles to Bethlehem. Like they traveled forever by the star heading not sure where. And the last six miles, they stop and ask for directions. Well, the point was so that Herod can find out about this important birth. And consider that the Magi also brought these overly lavish gifts for this poor family and in doing so helped Joseph provide for the Christ child in the coming days and years when they would have to hurriedly flee to Egypt because of Herod's ruthlessness. The whole birth of Jesus is about announcing to the world what has happened. God seems to do whatever it takes in order to get the word out and to embrace all people. God announces the birth of the Messiah to the shepherds through angels on Christmas, to the Magi using a star on Epiphany, and to the political and religious authorities of God's own people through visitors from the East. And everything is done with intentionality. But it's also a story of inclusiveness and contrast of reactions. The most powerful message of all is that it's the Magi who are these Gentiles from a foreign land practicing a foreign faith that seek out and worship this newborn king. You see, the Magi stand for all nations who would come and worship Jesus who want to see that manifestation of God in the face of Jesus, who want to experience an epiphany. They profess him, these magi, they profess him king of the Jews and genuinely adore and worship him. Now it took a while for them to get there, but they finally arrived maybe even as long as two years after Jesus' birth. But how different a reaction they have than that of King Herod and the religious leaders that he called on for help. Herod saw this baby as a threat. I get that though, right? I understand that. He was already known for being paranoid and for ruthlessly killing his own relatives or anyone that he was concerned with being a threat to his um, throne. But it's the religious leaders that I can't figure out. They've been anticipating this Messiah. They have been studying the prophets and waiting. So why in the world were they not hopping on their horses, their donkeys, their camels, their whatever, and following those magi to check out what had finally come to pass? At least out of curiosity, if not out of worship and obedience. 
And don't you think these foreign strangers expected all of Jerusalem, the capital city, to be fully aware of its newborn king and to know the time and the place and the circumstances of his birth? After all, they were the latecomers, right? So how surprised they must have been to realize that they were the first ones to announce the birth and even more surprised that instead of reactions of joy, the leaders were startled, they were concerned, and many of them were ambivalent. So what we see in this story are three different reactions or responses to Jesus. So I think it's fair to say that all people respond to Jesus in one of these three ways. Herod displayed an open hatred and hostility towards Jesus. The chief priests and scribes were indifferent towards Jesus, all the while, though, retaining their religious respectability. The wise magi, they sought out Jesus and worshipped him, even at great cost. And I wonder, I wonder which one of these reactions best matches yours. And then finally, an important lesson, at least for me personally, and I hope for all of us in the coming year, is that the star that leads to Christ must always be going to Christ. A quote from Charles Spurgeon, a preacher from the 1800s. The star that leads to Christ must always be going to Christ. In other words, the star that points others to Jesus must be a good witness, must set a good example. In this day and time, a preacher must practice what she preaches. And a faithful disciple that invites others to discover life in Christ ought to be experiencing a little bit of life in Christ. That we should be orienting our lives towards Jesus each and every day if we want to invite others to find Jesus. So as we wind up this Christmas season and we put the last of the decorations in the storage boxes and we take the lights off of the tree and off of our rooftops <clears throat> and maybe we make the last returns of those Christmas gifts that didn't exactly work out the way we'd hoped, we wrap up our holiday season for 2019. But while we experience one ending, we find ourselves facing a new beginning. We have a whole new year in front of us. Just like we looked at the story of the Magi through the lens of intention and reaction and setting a, an example, <coughs> we have similar choices for how we will face this new year. Sorry. We can face it with some intention in how we live our lives, how we prioritize our time, how we work and play, and in all we do, continue to love Jesus and to love one another. We can face the new year by seeking to set the best example we can and to be like the light of that star and actually point people towards Jesus. <clears throat> we can also react to the role of Jesus in our lives, much like the main characters of our story this morning. We can look at some of our life choices and we see that maybe our lives, if we're being honest, are actually oriented with a sense of hostility towards Jesus. 
Maybe life has been exceedingly hard. Or grief has just gripped us mightily. Or justice seems to belong to everyone else but us. Or sin has a hold of us and we can't seem to say no to it. Like Herod, we are feeling threatened or hostile towards Jesus playing any kind of an active role in our lives. Or maybe like the chief priests and scribes, we know the right answers and the choices and we know how the script goes and we say and we do mostly the right things, but our heart, our heart isn't in it and we never take risks for Jesus. We do enough to retain that religious respectability of a person who has a meaningful faith and a meaningful relationship with Jesus. But inside, we feel like imposters because deep down our faith is more show than it is genuine. And when it comes down to it, we really don't want to follow the Magi to Bethlehem and check things out. We'd rather read the tweets on our phone about their experience and then react with a thumbs up or a smiley face. Or maybe, like the Magi, you have a burning passion to seek out Jesus and to worship him. But unlike the Magi, you're afraid of the effort and the cost and you aren't sure you have an appropriate gift to offer the king. You want to start the journey like the Magi, but unlike the Magi, you're not exactly rich. You aren't sure you have the resources and the ability to read the stars to get you anywhere close to where Jesus is. But you want to. You really, really do. So, are you tired of feeling hostile or hanging by a thread, faking your way through it? Are you tired of doubting yourself and hesitating from taking the risk needed to start a deeper, more meaningful faith journey, then this is your year. It really is. Because our focus at Boone UMC in the coming year is going to be on discipleship. We'll talk more later about what that means exactly and how we define it and we will explore it and how do we actually do it. But for now, for now it's enough to just know that we are going to go all in this year in helping you to go deeper with your discipleship, with your relationship with Jesus. To be a star that actually leads people to Jesus but more importantly, to be a star that finds your own way closer to Jesus. To live your life after Jesus' example. To look at the world through the eyes of Jesus. To consider your own life and your choices that they might look a bit more like the choices Jesus would make. To grow in our ability to love ourselves like Jesus loves us to love others like Jesus loves others, and to love God like Jesus loves God. So I invite you these next three weeks just to do one thing, to simply prepare your hearts and your spirit to be open to what this might mean for you when you think about the coming year. It's my only ask for these next couple of weeks, to be open to how the spirit might 
want to speak to you to guide you more fully over the next couple of weeks or months. For the Spirit to grow within you a deep desire to explore Jesus over the next year. A desire to seek Jesus like the Magi and to let Jesus transform your heart. And as a result, to fully transform you. So one way that we're going to prepare our hearts to be open to the Spirit this year is by, once again, praying the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. And this is a prayer that has been used for over 250 years, often around New Year's. It's a tradition that, that we, we use in our Methodist Wesleyan history, our heritage, um, at this, this first service of the year. And it's an opportunity for us to be able to recommit our faith. Sometimes we just put the words up and we ask you to pray it aloud and we hope that enough of the meaning sinks in. But today, I want to take a moment to reflect on the words so that when we pray it, we can really pray it. So, but yay. The overall meaning of the prayer is about yielding ourselves to God's will. And so the first few phrases are about yielding our actions to God's greater actions, to God's greater good, like offering ourselves to be a vessel for God's purposes. The prayer acknowledges that we don't know what is most needed, so we trust God on that one. And that what we do is not so much for ourselves, but our actions are to both honor God and to serve others. Then the next section speaks less about what we are or are not doing. And it's more about our ego, our desires, even our possessions. And it again puts the emphasis away from our own needs and yields our well-being to God's wisdom, to God's ways. The hope is that all we do will honor God, and the best way that we can honor God is to allow God to be in control of our lives, not us. And then the last section speaks to our commitment to God. After praising God, the commitment is then finalized with what feels to me like a sense of mutuality. Not in any sense that we are equal to God by any means, but an admission that the God we commit to actually longs to be in relationship with us. And then it ends with this sense of kind of official finality, almost as if we've signed a legal document. The reason I believe this is great preparation for our deep dive into discipleship in the year ahead is that this prayer is all about growing closer to Jesus. It's about serving others like Jesus served others. And it paints a picture of a mature disciple living their lives faithfully honoring God. And y'all, this is hard. It's hard. And most days we fall short of the commitment. We do. But the important thing is that we get up and the next day we try again. And we practice. And we learn a little more how to hold up our end of the covenant And yes, we will work on this all year long. And eventually, eventually, like the Magi who embarked on a long journey of faithfully following, eventually 
we begin to hold up our end of the covenant, eventually we too will see Jesus in our lives. Eventually we will have a personal epiphany. And it starts today with just a willingness to be open to the Spirit moving in our lives in the coming weeks and months and year. So will you open your heart just to that possibility? With that question in mind, I invite you to join me in praying together Wesley's Covenant Prayer. And the words will be on the screen, but I've also given you a, um, a copy you can take home with you. And if you didn't get one, ushers have some in the back um, that you can pray not just right now in this worship experience, but maybe hang on to it and pray it um, regularly in the days, weeks, and months ahead. Will you join me in the covenant prayer from our Wesleyan tradition? I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen.